It is really good to be here with you and to be back with you. Uh, as some of you know, uh, Steve and I have been away for about two weeks and were away last Sunday. We were in England doing a West, leading a Wesley study tour, chasing the spirit of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, all around different spots in England. We had an absolutely wonderful experience, and then we flew home on Wednesday, got home very late, and went straight to Lakeland, didn't come back here, got into Orlando, went straight to Lakeland for annual conference, the annual gathering of all the clergy and laity delegates to the annual conference of the United Methodist Church. Now, although I haven't had a chance to view it yet, um, I've heard that last Sunday was a wonderful day. Um, a time of commissioning youth who were going on mission trips this summer, Ben's last Sunday morning preaching, um, and I've heard that was heartfelt and, and inspiring. Um, and we look forward to, even though we missed Sunday, we look forward to hopefully both being there this coming Wednesday evening at 6.35, which will be Ben's last uh, Wednesday evening preaching with us before he heads off to Jacksonville. Steve is not with us today and will not um, be out for a few days because he brought a little more home from England than he anticipated. We had to test for COVID on Tuesday morning to fly back and we were both negative. Then on Thursday morning in Lakeland before going into an auditorium full of people out of an abundance of caution, we tested again and I was negative and Steve was positive. And he went and took another test later that morning and he was positive again and so he headed home and has been home ever since. And I tested the following morning, it was negative. I tested this morning and I was negative. I have no symptoms. Who knows? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Steve was scheduled to preach today um, and so obviously he's not and I have the privilege of sharing with you all of these thoughts that are swirling in my head right now. And so I covet your prayers, as I always do, and I invite you to pray for me in sharing this message with you this morning as I pray for you in receiving it. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In your sight, oh God, because you are our rock and redeemer. Amen. So this week was Vacation Bible Camp, and, and as we can all see, it was just an absolutely wonderful week, and I've heard that the kids didn't want it to end. They just wanted it to keep on going. Uh, with the theme of food truck parties, it's about Jesus as the bread of life, Jesus who provides all and provides for our daily bread. And of course, we're going to have food trucks after the service, and we hope you'll stay and, and join us for that. If it does happen to be pouring down rain, then just go outside and come back inside with your food. But we will rain or shine, as Brian said. Uh, we will, we will celebrate with food trucks. One of the scripture readings for the week was our scripture reading for today, and so I invite you to follow along with me as I read from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. 
After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs that he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and he saw the crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than half a year's salary's worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, a youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When people saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, this is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. As I said, I just returned from annual conference. One of my favorite parts of conference is the service of licensing, commissioning, and ordination. In the last recent years, it's always been the closing service of our annual conference. Yesterday, I did not stay for the service. Um, I was worried about driving home in the rain and having at least a little bit of time to prepare a sermon from scratch. Um, so I didn't stay, but as I was driving north out of, Lake, um, out of Lakeland, I wanted to make a quick bathroom break and have a late breakfast. And so I saw Chick-fil-A and I parked to run into the Chick-fil-A. I looked at the counter, I wanted to order and then go to the restroom. The counter was, nobody was there, good, great. Um, and I stepped up the counter and she said, you need to have a seat at a table to order. Now that was new to me, but I obediently sat down at the table and someone came up and I ordered my chicken biscuit and drink and uh, sat there to wait for it to be brought to me. And um, as I sat in this little, you know, two-seater booth, I looked up and at the next booth, sitting and facing me, I saw someone I recognized. My eyes locked in with his and I began to tear up. We hugged and I moved to sit with him and I affirmed him. And as we sat there together, a picture came in on his phone, a text from a friend. And it was a picture, this picture, of an empty seat with the robe that he was to wear, with the bow tie that he was going to wear, anticipating that he would be 
commissioned uh, as an elder, a minister, a preacher in the United Methodist Church. We looked at the picture together and cried and I told him that I loved him and that I valued him and that I affirmed him, that I believed that he was called by God and that I know that he is a child of God. You see, he was one of the 16, you've heard a little bit about this this morning, he was one of the 16 who was to be commissioned in that service of licensing, commissioning, and ordination. Commissioning is the first of kind of the two-part process toward being ordained as a minister in the United Methodist Church. 16 were not recommended by the clergy body on Thursday morning. According to our polity, those being recommended need a 75% approval of the clergy who are gathered in person. And in the past, that's always been a time of joy and celebration and the voting on those folks was really just standing up and applauding. It was wonderful. But you see this time, that particular class of 16 only received 72.6%, no, 70, 26.3% of the people voted against the approval of that class of candidates because two persons in the class openly identified as LGBTQ. And that part of the body would rather not commission the entire class than have two in the class who identify as LGBTQ. In my 32 years of being ordained and going to annual conference, there's never been anything but joy and applause for any of the groups coming before that body. This year we had to have a paper ballot and we were seven votes short of commissioning that class of 16. Got a picture of all of their robes that are laid on empty chairs because they were not a part of the service yesterday morning. Those folks, those 16 folks, were ready and willing to offer their lives to love and serve God. When the disciples saw all those people gathered on the hillside hungry for lunch, they couldn't see past the typical way of doing things. Philip said, food to feed that crowd would be more than a half a year's salary. And Andrew piped up and said, there's a kid who's got, you know, some loaves of bread and two fish, but, but what good is that going to be? They were just making a realistic assessment. They couldn't see beyond the typical ways and means. 
And with their finite understanding, they suggested what seemed plausible to them, just send them away. But Jesus saw things differently. He could see more clearly than they could. He redefined what was possible. He called for the kids' lunch. And he blessed it, and he doled it out. And when everyone had had their full, their fill, he asked the disciples to gather up the leftovers, and there were 12 baskets full. Who knows? Jesus fed them all, and it was miraculous. He didn't send any of them away. 5,000, and that's men, when scripture says that, they mean men, plus women and children. So let's say 20,000 people, all were fed, none were turned away. And later Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Everyone who the Father gives to me comes to me and I won't send anyone away who comes to me. That's a quote from the sixth chapter of John. You know, in my parents' house, there's a, a round, large oak, heavy oak pedestal table. It has a leaf in it, and so it, it really is a little bit more oval. And when I was growing up, it was typically, often, sometimes, just the five of us sharing meals, my two sisters, my parents, and, and me. But often, one or more people would show up around dinner time. Perhaps they knew my mother was always cooking. Perhaps it was her way of unconditional love, of welcoming all. We always used to accuse her of, of taking in all the strays, cats, dogs, people. That's who she is. Only later did we understand that that really should be the ideal for all of us. In our house, whoever showed up at the table was welcome at the table. Whoever showed up at the house was welcome at the table. And because of that, word got around and so many people happened to just drop in right around dinner time. Lots of teenagers, sometimes we would squeeze eight or ten people around that table. And somehow there was always room for everyone and there was always food for everyone. You might be wondering what will happen to those 16 who were not affirmed by the clergy session. Well, yesterday morning a resolution did pass, um, and this was with the clergy and laity present. Um, sometimes we need a little help. You can go, laity is right, Micah. Um, and that motion that was passed apologized for the harm done to those 16 people and um, move toward a, another gathering of the annual conference and the clergy session in the fall um, to revote on those candidates before an entire year goes by. You know, I love the common English Bible. 
and, and I hadn't heard it this way before, but the common English Bible, did you pick up on it? It says, a youth has five loaves and two fish. There were seven youth at annual conference as delegates. We should have way more than that across the whole conference. There were seven from the entire conference, but guess what? Three of them were from Trinity. Three of those youth were from Trinity. Nora Pancoast, Elliot Pancoast, Brody Beaupre. And these students carefully and thoughtfully delivered, wrote and delivered a statement in support of that motion. It was biblical, it was theological, it was, it was careful, it was beautiful, it was impactful. And I think it greatly contributed to that motion being passed. Trinity, we have some awesome youth in this church and I am so glad that they are leading us. Folks, we in the church can't keep looking back to the way things were, to the way things used to be. We can't keep holding on to our past notions of, of what's right and what's wrong and who's in and who's out and who's welcomed and who's not. Jesus spread the table wide so that all were welcome. Everyone was invited to the picnic. No one was sent away. You all probably know this, but based on scripture, based on scripture, in the Methodist church prior to 1864, African-Americans were not allowed to be ordained. And even when they were, they and their churches were segregated out into an entirely different conference, apart from all of the white conferences. And women, according to scripture, According to scripture, women were not allowed to be ordained in the United Methodist Church until, it was the Methodist Church then, until 1956. And Florida didn't ordain its first woman until 1977. Trinity, as a church, we are leading this community in being open and affirming. You are welcoming all, you are affirming all. And let me tell you, our youth are leading the way. The 16 were not commissioned yesterday and our hearts break for them, for all of them. But there will come a day and I believe it will be soon when all of those 16 will be ordained, will be commissioned first and then ordained as United Methodist deacons and elders. After all, Trinity, our beloved David Allen, who was the associate pastor, is an ordained minister and is now our district superintendent. And I, a child of Trinity, nurtured under the wings of Marsha Wiggins, Reverend Marsha Wiggins, who you all welcomed in the early 80s. I am ordained and have been ordained since 1990. 
In a sermon called The Character of a Christian, John Wesley said, for opinions and terms, let us not destroy the work of God. Do you, dost thou, love and serve God? It is enough. You know, we all have different interpretations of scripture. Goodness knows I have heard plenty of times people quote scripture to me and tell me that I should not be ordained, I should not be in ministry because I am a woman. Scripture also says though, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. And the Greek were considered unclean at the time. There is neither slave nor free. We might say black or white. There is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus our Lord. But for opinions, let us not destroy the work of God. To love and serve God, is it not enough? The road has been long. And we are not there yet. Yesterday is evidence of that. But Jesus keeps spreading out the picnic blanket and keeps providing whatever is needed and enough for all, room for all. The journey has been long, but we will get there. We will get there. You know, we've been having this discussion about sexuality in the church for a long time, since 1972, about what's in our book of discipline. In 2008, I was at General Conference in Dallas-Fort Worth, and we were again arguing about sexuality all day long. And I walked with a friend back to the hotel, and we were standing there at the elevator, and we noticed a woman who was sitting next to us. She was probably in her 70s or maybe even 80s. She was a petite African-American woman. She was dressed impeccably. And I could see the wisdom and the compassion in her face. I asked her how she was doing and she started to bemoan the deliberations of the day. And then she abruptly stopped herself and she said, actually, I'm good. It's a beautiful day and there is much to be thankful for. How are you? And I said, I'm tired. I'm very tired. It's been a hard, hard day. And she looked me right in the eyes and she cupped her hand on my cheek and she said, don't you worry, honey, don't you worry. Everything is gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And I know because I've been black a long time. <laughs> Yesterday I hugged my friend and we both rushed to the bathroom and then got in our cars to head on our way. And as I 
got into the car, I turned on the radio, and I immediately heard this song that I've never heard before. It's by Mercy Me. It's called Almost Home. Are you disappointed? Are you desperate for help? You know what it's like to be tired and a sh only a shell of yourself. Well, you start to believe you don't have what it takes because it's all you can do just to move, just to finish the race. But don't forget what lies ahead. Almost home. Brother, it won't be long. Soon all your burdens will be gone with all your strength. Sister, run wild, run free. Hold up your hand, keep pressing on. We're almost home. Well, this road will be hard, but we will win in the end simply because Jesus is in us. If not, it's not if, but when. So take joy in the journey, even when it feels long. Oh, you'll find strength in each step, knowing heaven is cheering you on. We're almost home. Brother, it won't be long soon. All your burdens will be gone with all your strength. Sister, run wild, run free. Hold up your head, keep pressing on. We're almost home. I know that the cross has brought heaven to us. Make no mistake, there's still more to come. But when our flesh and bone are no longer between where we are right now and where we're meant to be, when all that's been lost is made whole again, when the tears and this pain no longer exist, no more walking, we're running as fast as we can, consider this our second wind. Almost home. Brother, it won't be long. Soon all your burdens will be gone. With all your strength, sister, run wild, run free. Hold up your head. Keep pressing on. We're almost home. We're almost home. Friends, thanks be to God.